I don't care how many times I've seen it, that video doesn't get old. It's amazing to see. It inspires me. Hopefully it inspires you. We have been going through a series called Transformation. And, and transformation, if you haven't been here, or if this is your first time, or you've, you're coming back for, you haven't been here in a while, transformation, the transformation series is about Grace Chapel. It's about our vision statement, and it's about our values. Um, and I have, I have just had a blast with it so far. It's this video, it's these ideas that we get to talk about. We get to talk about our vision statement and our values almost every week. Um, and I don't know if you're aware of this, but I like to do this every year. So if you come back next time, about this time next year, you're probably going to hear me talk a little bit about who Grace Chapel is and what we're trying to accomplish through the Spirit. So it's a fun time to kind of remember who we are and what God has called us to do. I'd also like to say, if this is, um, if you haven't seen or heard all of the Transformation Series uh, sermons, I would recommend, um, first of all, I'm really sorry. I'm sorry about that because they've been awesome. We've been really excited to see what God has for us. The second thing is, is go to gracecp.org slash sermons and listen to them. And the reason I tell you to do that is because this helps you understand who Grace Chapel is. And this is a little bit about what God is doing in our church and how he's asked us to define ourselves. And I think that's an important topic, uh, whether you're visiting or you've been uh, part of our church for many years. Um, so let's do this really quick. Turn to the person to your right and say, you look beautiful this morning. Okay. Everyone always laughs. Everyone, I don't know why people laugh. Okay, now, good job. It just takes a minute. You don't have to have a whole conversation. Just, you're beautiful, that's all. Now turn to the person uh, to your left. Did I say left? Turn to the person to your right, sorry. Give them a high five. Can you give them a high five? High five? That's just to let them not feel left out, okay? We don't want them to feel left out. Okay, now that we've done that, now we're a little bit warmed up, we, are, we can get on our way. So let me open us in prayer, and we'll begin with our message. Jesus. Um, we have this wonderful opportunity, Lord, to sit in this building uh, with our friends and family, uh, and we get to ask you what you'd like to tell us. And Lord, I have this obligation and job to stand up here and to, and to preach, but I ask God that you'd get me out of the way so that you could speak to your people. Lord, and if there's somebody or, 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 or people here that need to hear something specific from you, God, I ask that now would be the time that you would speak through me that my words would be your words and that would impact this church in a way that would reflect your glory and your love and your grace. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for the opportunity we have uh, to study your word together. In your name, amen. I mentioned earlier, this series is about our values and it's about our vision statement, which is lives transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there's this idea that when we do these things and when we invite the Holy Spirit to move and when we, we study God's word and we ask him to guide us, this amazing thing happens where lives become transformed. And it's this ongoing process. So, so none of us are perfectly transformed, but, but we're on the journey. And we're doing this journey thing together. We're witnessing transformation together. And that's an exciting thing. And that's, that's one, of the, one of the reasons why it's our vision statement. We get to witness God moving amongst us. And we get to see lives transformed. So lives transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. The, the fun part is I get to talk about prayer this morning, which is one of our five values. So we as Grace Chapel, we value prayer. And it's easy to say, yes, we value prayer. We pray. I pray three times a day over breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And it's a great thing. But I think prayer is a little bit more than just a tradition. And, and that's one of the reasons why I love that it's one of our values. 
See, prayer is, is, is like a journey. And the further we go on this journey of prayer, the more we learn about prayer, the more we learn about God, and the more our wills align with his will. And that's the beauty and the power of prayer. Prayer is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I want to read you a story, a, a quick passage in Luke's gospel. We're going to read Luke 11, 1 through 4. And we're going to put the words up behind me so you can follow along or you can turn to it in your Bible. So Luke says in verse 1, one day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. And this is Luke's version of this prayer. And Matthew has a much longer version of this prayer. And it's, it's short, it's sweet, and it's instructive. Now, prayer is a learned behavior. Now, I, I just want you to think about that for a minute. If prayer is, if that's true, if prayer is a learned behavior, where did you learn how to pray? Did you learn how to pray here in this church? Did you learn how to pray in another church or some other pastor that taught you? Was it your parents that sat you down and said, okay, here's how you pray. Cross, you know, hold your hands together and, and get on your knees and say these things. And you have to start with dear Jesus and you have to end with amen. Who taught you how to pray? Because it's important. It's important. And the disciples pick up on this very early. They have been taught how to pray. Their teachers and preachers and pastors of their day have taught them how to pray. And you have this guy, Jesus, on the scene. And the disciples go, I wonder, I wonder what he thinks about prayer. The bigger question is, is how do we learn? If this is a learned behavior, if this is something that we've been taught, how do we learn? And maybe you've forgotten this because you've, it's been a while since you've had young kids in your family, in your home. But I have young kids in my home. And they do three things very, very, very well. Very well. They watch when I don't think they're watching. I have many stories. They listen when I don't think they're listening. I could ask my kids a hundred times to clean their rooms, but if I say to my wife in the kitchen in a quiet voice, hey, honey, did you hear? Whoop, their ears pick up, right? So they watch when I don't think they're watching. They listen when I don't think they're listening, and they do. They practice. They try. And sometimes I don't let them try, and it frustrates them. But sometimes I let them try, and they get to work it out. I remember talking my son into coming out to the barn with me as I was working on one of my tractors. And I'm working on the tractor, and he's there. He's not happy about it, but he's there. And I said, Zach, you see what I'm doing here? I'm changing the oil filter on my tractor. And he goes, so? And I go, but the oil filter is a very important part of the tractor. See, it cleans the oil. You got to have good oil for the tractor to last long. And so I help him. I make him get in there, and we're changing the oil filter. We put the oil in, and we turn the tractor on, and I show him how to drive it and what we're doing and everything, and, he, and he's starting to get a little excited. And he says, hey, Daddy, what about that tractor over there? And I, sure enough, I have a little garden tractor, a little mower tractor that my friend Jim sold me. And I went, oh, that's the John Deere. Yeah, that's, a, that's the John Deere tractor. And he goes, well, does it have an oil filter? I said, sure does. And I showed him the oil filter, and how do you turn it on? And I turn it on, and, and, and he goes, well, how do you drive it? And I said, let me show you. Hop on. 
We drive around the yard. My wife's going, what in the world are they doing, doing donuts in the yard in a tractor? And he learned. He listened. He watched. And then the next day, he says, hey, Daddy, can I take that tractor for a spin? And I said, sure you can. You can. Take it for a spin. I showed you how to drive it. Knock yourself out. If you run out of gas, come let me know. Sure enough, he goes in the yard and he does donuts in the tractor, right? They watch, they listen, and they do. You got to let them do. This is the way the disciples wanted to learn how to pray. And this is what Jesus understood. They have to watch, they have to listen, and then they have to practice it. So the question, the first question for you to write down in your bulletin is, transformative prayer remembers and practice, the practices of Jesus. Transformative prayer remembers the practices of Jesus. Now there's a couple hurdles with that statement. First question is, is well, what did Jesus do 2,000 years ago? How did he live? How did he act when he was stressed? You know, there's a passage for that. You can find that. How did he act when he was tired? How did he act when he was disappointed? When he was happy, when he was sad, when he was frustrated, when he was angry? How did Jesus act? Now here's, here's the hurdle. If you don't know, you have to admit it. <laughs> See, I think a lot of people think that you have to know who Jesus was and how he acted in order to get into the kingdom of heaven. In order, it's like a prerequisite to being saved. You have to know all about Jesus. But the truth is, is you don't have to know all about Jesus to become saved. All you have to know is he was the son of God, that he loves you very much, that he died for you on the cross and he rose again so that you could have eternal life. That's all you need to know. That's the gospel. But how did Jesus live? What kind of choices did he make? How did he feel? We have to admit it if we don't know it. And there's this unspoken expectation that if you've been a Christian for a couple years, you better just act like you know how Jesus acted. So we make up all kinds of crazy stuff. And we've kind of watered down this Jesus guy into this, this kind of um, vanilla you know, easygoing, hippie kind of guy that just was cool with whatever, right? He's just really laid back. He, he helped people feel better. And that's kind of the thought we have when it's, what does Jesus act like? But if you don't know what he acted like, you have to find out and you have to admit it. So we want to put a filter on Jesus, make him tame, water him down a little bit. But we have to start in the Gospels, and we have to find out. We have to do the work. We have to research the topic. This is what adults do when we don't know. We don't just go to Google, although that's what I do first. I even use Google when I study the Scripture. Hey, when did Jesus say, Google will tell you that, and you read? You have to start with the Gospels. You have to do the work, and you have to get down to business. I'll repeat it for you. Transformative prayer remembers the practices of Jesus. The interesting thing about the disciples is you can say a lot of things about the disciples, but the thing that you, you have to admit is they're inquisitive. We get so caught up in the information part of the Bible that we sometimes forget that Jesus is a person. He's alive, he, and, and he'll respond to you if you talk with him. This is a relationship we're active. We're not just researching a topic, although that can be helpful, but this is a fluid relationship. So if we want to have prayer be a powerful thing, 
in our life. If we want transformative prayer, we have to ask Jesus to show us. And that's exactly what the disciples did. They said, um, Jesus, this might be a silly question because, you know, we've learned it and everything, but, but how do you pray? How badly do you want to know what Jesus would do, how he would act, how he prays? How badly are you willing to get to the bottom of unlocking God's power in your life? If you want to see his power, if you want to really know him, you have to ask him. And you have to start admitting that you don't know when you really don't know. So question two, statement two in your your bulletin. Transformative prayer requests wisdom from Jesus. And we see the disciples do this. They requested wisdom from Jesus. When you ask, you have to be audacious. You have to be specific. Jesus, I don't know what to do in this situation. Am I supposed to confront my boss? Am I supposed to tell her what I've really done? Am I supposed to tell her, tell him how I feel? If that's what I'm supposed to do, Jesus, would you show me? Make it specific. Lay out fleeces. Ask him to do something to show you what you're supposed to do. This is a fluid relationship. Don't just pretend like we know. And don't give up if it doesn't turn out the way you hoped. Do you know how many times it did turn out the way the disciples hoped? Many times the disciples didn't get it even until long after Jesus was gone. It took a long time for them to go, oh, that's what he meant. So when you ask, remember, this could take some time. Many times the disciples would ask and then immediately regret asking, right? Jesus, what did you mean by that? And Jesus goes, well, let me tell you. And they go, oh, no, what have we done? That's like in the next four hours we're going to be listening to things that we don't understand. But later it would come to them. With the, with the power of the Spirit would move in them. And they would go, oh, that's what he meant. So later in verse 2, God's character is God's will. And what I mean by that is Jesus says, okay, guys, this is how you pray. Everybody on, everybody that the disciples had something in mind. They knew this God, Yahweh. And they were so afraid of Yahweh, and rightfully so, that they would not even say his name, Yahweh. They would call him by something else, or they'd call him the consonants of the word. They wouldn't say it. And so they're like, Jesus, how do you, how do you pray to this God? And Jesus says, let me show you. The first thing you do is you call him by his name. And his name is Father. It's Father. Can you imagine what the disciples would have done when they heard the word Father? They went, whoa, whoa, what? Father? You mean, you mean like the guy who raised me, the, the one that's approachable, the one that wants my well-being, the one that I could ask anything to, the one that, that teaches me about tractors and about things like that? That's the guy? Father? That's Jesus' point. You see, by calling him a name, it was saying this is the way he is. And, and names, names aren't used that way anymore. My name is Joshua. But when you hear that name, you probably don't think, ah, the Lord is my salvation. <laughs> That's what Joshua means. You probably don't think about that. But maybe we should. Maybe we should think about it that way. 
Because God's name equals God's character. This is why God calls himself, I am. See, he's before, he's before and during and after time. He calls himself the, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He is around all these things. That's his name because that's who he is. That's his character. So when Jesus says, Father, it means a list of things that these disciples had not even ever thought of. He's approachable. He's kind. He's loving. He's understanding. He disciplines me because he loves me. He wants what's best for me. Even though I don't understand what's happening, he has an idea and he wants me to learn it. Wow, that's an intimate relationship compared to what they were used to. It's Father. When we say his name, whether we know it or not, we're saying we trust him. Because if his name really is I am, he's got it all covered. We throw around his name, but do we really know what it means? Because when we say it, we're saying this is who he is. So number three, transformative prayer trusts in God's character and hopes for God's will. Trusts in his character and hopes for his will. I can remember being a youth pastor many years ago, and I got a phone call, and the phone call was, um, so one of my friends had gotten into an accident. And they, they, the, the person on the other line, I, I, I actually don't even know who it was, they were telling me, you got to get to the hospital. Um, this girl has had a, a brain injury. Her name is Renee. And she might listen to this, so I have to give her credit. Renee had fallen off a longboard without wearing a helmet and had suffered a massive brain injury. And I get to the, I get to the hospital. I'm, I'm all upset. I don't know what, how serious the injury is, if it's a gash that they need to sew up or, or what. And there's a couple firemen there, and they are crying. When you see a fireman cry, that's an indication that something is pretty serious. There's a fire chaplain there. There's the hospital chaplain there. And they all asked me, did you know Renee? Do you know Renee? And I said, yes, I know Renee. And they said, she's bad. It's, 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 it's bad. All of them, I don't know what their faith was, said, we need to pray. So we began praying. And as we prayed, more and more people joined into the prayer. More and more people heard from the church. And by 9 o'clock that night, we had about 40 people in the waiting room crammed into this waiting room. And Renee's in bad shape. They had to do an emergency brain surgery on her. And the only person that could operate on her was in Denver. So we had to wait for him to drive all the way down to Colorado Springs to do this surgery. And I can remember a good friend and mentor of mine, the senior pastor of the church, walked in and put his arms around her parents. And everybody's watching him. What is, his name's Raleigh, what is Raleigh going to say? And I'll never forget what Raleigh said. Raleigh said, Lord, we want Renee healed. We want her, her brain injury gone. We want her to walk out of these doors. The same Renee that we've seen grow up. But even more than that, we want your will. And that was a bold prayer because we knew she was on death's door. Even more than that, Lord, we want your will. Because you are Father and you are good. So we trust you. Three weeks later, Renee was able to re-enroll in college again and she is a living, breathing, walking miracle. Thanks to the Lord. 
Transformative prayer trusts in God's character because he is Father. And it hopes for God's will. So even in situations that we don't know what's going to happen, we trust in God's will. And to move on into this prayer, we have this idea that God is so good and he's given us so much that because of that we give. So, so generosity in and generosity out. To call on his name is to call on his goodness. And he has extended grace to us, so we naturally, that grace flows out from us. And most people have a hard time extending grace to those around them, or some people do. And I find it's either usually because they have forgotten what God has done for them, or they just can't believe that he loves them as much as people say. And it's like a grace block that won't let it flow because they don't really believe that God loves them or, or, or they've forgotten what he's done for them. When you understand that you can't even understand how much God loves you and what he's done for you, the depth of what he's done for you, it's hard not to give it away. It's hard not to give this love away. It just flows out of you. So statement four, transformative prayer leads us to extend grace because grace is being given. So we're going to extend grace because grace is being given. So a, 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 the reason I say grace is being given, you might say, well, wait a minute, Josh. I was, I was saved when I was six years old, and God extended grace to me then, and that was good enough, and, and, and that's enough. He, he's done enough. That's, that's good. But the reason I use it in the present tense is because God continually gives us grace. Stupid decision after stupid decision after stupid decision that Josh Billings makes, sorry, I'm confessing to you, God extends grace to me. And to think that God extended grace to me once is absurd because you don't know who I am. <laughs> I make a lot of mistakes, and I'm normal. God's grace is constant because of our sin nature. So it's only natural that we would constantly extend grace to those around us. Grace in and grace out. Not grace once, and I get to pick and choose who I give grace to. He extends grace to me every day, and he forgives me over and over and over, and this is the power of who he is. This is why Jesus says, this Yahweh is called Father. Transformative prayer leads us to extend grace because grace is being given. Okay, here's a repeat of all of those. The first one, transformative prayer remembers the practices of Jesus. Transformative prayer requests wisdom from Jesus. And transformative prayer trusts in God's character and hopes for God's will. And the last one, transformative prayer leads us to extend grace because grace is being given every day, every moment. I'm talking about prayer today. And I think that we don't see a lot of God's power today because we have not convinced ourselves that prayer is God's power. And so it, it's to the point that like when there's nothing else we can do for someone, we say, oh, we'll pray for you. It's like the last resort of what we can do for people. When it should be a constant, right? 
And here's the main idea this morning. Transformative prayer is the conduit for God's power in our life. It's the conduit. And if you're thinking, you know, I read stories in Scripture and, and I see all these amazing things happen and it just seems like God is there and moving and I look around and, and my life just doesn't reflect that. I think it's because of our prayer life. And here's the reality of the situation. If you're wondering, if you're wondering why it's so hard to feel and extend God's grace, maybe, maybe that's something you're struggling with. It might be because we've watered down Jesus. And we're imitating the watered down version of him instead of the real version of him. We must realize that praying the way Jesus prayed is essential if we want prayer to be transformative. We have to pray like he prayed with the understanding. Listen to what Dallas Willard said about prayer. He said, the more we pray, the more we think to pray. And as we see the results of prayer, the responses of our Father to our requests, our confidence in God's power spills over into other areas of our life. Now just think about that for a minute. The more you pray, the more you want to pray. And the more you want to pray, the more you get to see God moving because of your prayer. And then that spills over to the rest of the areas of your life. See, the more we pray, the more aligned our wills become with the Father. We think like Him when we pray. We see like Him when we pray. It's like an exponential graph. It just keeps getting steeper and steeper and steeper and steeper. The more we pray. It's a powerful cycle that we can When we commit to praying the way Jesus prayed, it takes us deeper and deeper into God's power. That's why I call it a conduit of power. Paul says it this way to the church in in Philippi. In chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And I love this part. Do not be anxious about anything But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And I read that without understanding that that prayer is a conduit of God's power. And I go, how in the world can I come up with these emotions? He's writing to a church that maybe not in the moment, but very soon would start to be persecuted for their faith. How can you rejoice in the Lord when your fellow brothers and sisters are being slaughtered? How can my gentleness be evident to all when I'm so afraid? How can I not be anxious about anything? It's because of prayer. It's the conduit for his power. And the more we pray, the more we see him move, and it boosts our faith. And the more we want to pray. Paul also said to the church in Colossae, In Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, he says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. What is it with Paul, prayer and thankfulness seem to go hand in hand? And it's because when we pray, we align our wills, and then we start to understand what he's done for us. The more we know this, the more we see it to be true. And if you want to work in reverse... Sin 
blinds us. And when we're blinded, we can't see what God is doing. It's like dimming the lights to the point that you can't see the hand in front of your face. And when we pray, we start to align our wills again with the Father. Transformative prayer is the conduit for God's power in our life. If you don't believe that, if you think there's more to it than that, or you're just not quite sure, you will grow accustomed to the tame, watered-down Jesus, and the kind of prayer that you will pray will, will reflect that. But we got to know him. we got to research him. We have to talk to him. We have to find out what he's really like. Because if you believe that transformative prayer is the conduit for God's power in our life, you're going to pray more and more and more. And you're, start to gonna un- you're gonna understand the meaning of prayer without ceasing because it just kind of comes out of you. The more you pray, the more you can see his power, which makes you want to pray more. Now, what's the application? What, what should we do about this? Unfortunately, I can't answer what you need to do about this. But I know somebody who can. So what we're going to do today is we're going to take two minutes. You're going to be surprised at how long two minutes is. We're going to take two minutes and we're going to sit and we're going to ask God silently to show us what he wants from us. To teach us how to pray, to teach us how to live. We're going to ask him in two minutes. I'm going to set my timer. I'm going to start us with prayer, and then we're going to move into a time of silence. Jesus. Lord, it's difficult to know you when we don't spend time with you. (laughs) It's difficult to know how you lived when we don't spend time in your word. And it's difficult to know how to pray when for a lot of us, prayer is just something we do before we eat. God, but I ask as we take these moments of silence, you would move in us individually in a way that would show us what we need to do because of this. God, I ask that you would show us in this time your power and your love for us and what we need to do because of it. Thank you for this time, Jesus.
Thank you for this time, Jesus. God, I ask that you would press on each and every person what you'd have us respond with, how you would have us respond in prayer. Lord, that we would lean into you and that we would trust that you're going to show us your power and that we would trust that your power would be the thing that people see in our lives and they would want to know more about you. Lord, I ask that you would give us the faith to step out in our prayer lives, that we could move our prayer from a response from time to time or when we eat or when we're really scared, that it would move into this presence where we're close with you and that prayer with you would be, a, would be a, almost a constant thing. And that we would begin to feel how you feel. That we would begin to see how you see. And it would be the most natural thing in the world to act the way you act. And that's what I want for this church. And Lord, I know that's what you want for this church. So let I ask that you would challenge these people to lean deeper and more completely on you and that we would see your power through the prayer that you taught us how to pray. In your name, amen.